This is such a privilege and such a joy to be here this morning amongst friends, amongst family. Thank you. God is so good to us. It's been just lovely worshiping God this morning and seeing him touch lives already. I'm uh, week two or technically week three of a series of fruit that remains looking at the, f- the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And it's a great privilege this morning, and you've guessed it, um, I'm picking up on joy. If you were here last week, San did a great job looking at love. And, I, and a part of me felt for San. I thought, how can you do love in 35 minutes? I thought, he's got a tough job. i got joy. That'll be pretty easy, and just I'll pack it in. And it's Okay, so pray for me now. Um, I've got to pack this into 30, 35 minutes, and I found that this just, I just went everywhere as I was preparing for this, in, in good places, all the good places. Um, so, Holy Spirit, just open our eyes, open our hearts, and come and transform by your word in the way that you do. As we've sung already, you don't have to come, Holy Spirit, but we love when you do, and you always do. Thank you. I just want to start by reading. Um, I have not got slides this morning. That's a little bit about my organization. So we're going to maybe turn a minute or two just turning in the Bible. Or if you've got phones, just go there. I'm in mostly in the New International Version. I'm going to turn and just read again fresh the passage that we're focusing on as a church. Uh, Galatians 5, 22 to 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit." This passage comes just after a long sort of list of stuff. And and Sarah read it to us, a load of, uh, I'll just use the word uglies, sort of stuff that you're drunkenness and this and that. and And then he just breaks in, Paul just breaks in and says, but the fruit of the Spirit. And the whole of Galatians is like this battle with Paul's preached a message of the Spirit. And the Galatian church are coming back, just finding a, a fresh comfort in some regulations and rules. And he said, that will not bring you to the place. You'll be forever chasing rules and lines. You know, you make a line. If you had a toddler, you know, make a line and say, just how close can you get to the line or, or whatever it is. And that's what the whole law does. It just messes up. And then he, he reads all this and then he says, but the fruit of the Spirit. And he says, and, it, and it's like they're not even contrast. They're just a different, a whole different way. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. You can't legislate against this stuff. It's not something you can write against. It's stuff that he will grow in partnership with us in our lives. And so Paul, and that's his battle. And there's some quite, if you read Galatians, there's quite a bit of tension in Paul writing to this church saying, come on, don't miss it. And it's, it's full of just references and life and follow the Spirit. But you were born of the Spirit. That's where faith came. It came, came in the Spirit. You were born of it. Follow that. Keep in step with the Spirit. And that's really the whole, the contrast and the emphasis. And then if you do that, this. If you do that, then this. 
this fruit, and there's no law against this. So we looked last year, and, this, and, and the series this week is, is, is fruit that remains. Jesus said, we looked at the, the passage in John 15, I'm the vine, you're the branches remaining in him. And just later on in that passage, and if, if you want to turn that, I'm just going to read one verse. In John chapter 16, Jesus is, is dialogue, and he's talked about the vine. He's talked about remaining in me. He's talked about apart from me, you can do nothing. If you remain in me, you'll produce fruit. Any branch doesn't remain. He's just that whole dialogue. And then in John 16, like the next chapter, he says, but I tell you the truth. It's good that I'm going. It's good for you that I'm going away. This is John 16 and 7. Unless I go away, the counsel will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So he's taking the disciples. He said, remain in me. And then he's saying, uh, my version says, it's good that I'm going away. It's good for you. Other translation says it's better. It's better that I go away. And I remember being struck by that. How can this? He's telling the disciples, remain in me. This is how you... I'm going away and it's actually going to be better for you. It's to your advantage. And to your advantage because I'll send the counselor. He's just like me. He's sent from heaven to live and dwell and he will produce that fruit. And, and really in preparing this, I just see that connection. The fruit, Jesus says, remain in me and abide in me. And I believe that's so linked and so part of, and in fact, I can hardly even split it up with keeping in step with the Spirit, following his leading, listening to him, saying, Holy Spirit, now. Holy Spirit, what's your word now? What, how can I live today? How can I abide in you? How can I listen to you? And he's the one, and Jesus says, he's the one that will come and confirm that you won't be left as orphans. As we abide and live in Jesus, we keep in step with the Spirit and we seek to please him. If we're in Christ, we have his spirit. And that's how we know we belong and how we can cry, Abba, Father. It's the spirit in us crying, Father, I belong to you. And as we follow the spirit, as we keep in step with the spirit, he will produce this fruit. And as Sarah said, in partnership. I find when I spend time watching Netflix, only the good stuff, um, the fruit seems to grow less. But as I live a devoted life in worship, in prayer, in delight, he produces his fruit. There's an intention that God wants me to have. Not, not against these things, not against Netflix, not against but there's something of a cooperation. I think we can't allow us to say, I'm in Christ and it's his fruit. He will produce it in us as we allow him. So there's work to do, there's things to adopt, there's lives to impact. But the fruit of the Spirit is exactly that. It's born from Him and it's produced when we live in the Spirit and let Him manifest His presence, His goodness in our ordinary, everyday lives. And it's fruit that remains. It's eternal fruit. Um, there's, a, there's a lovely passage in Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. Preach good news to the poor. And in Isaiah 61 and verse 7, it says, Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. And so they will inherit a double portion in their land. And everlasting joy will be theirs. This was 800 years before Christ. Isaiah saw, 800 years? Just about, yeah. The theolo yeah. Um, 
he saw something in the prophetic. He saw that there would be a people coming, that shame would be taken away, and everlasting joy. Now, everlasting to me seems it's got that one of those words that doesn't end. It's going to remain. It's there. It's eternal because it's got its source in heaven. Everlasting joy is a fruit of the Spirit because this is born of the Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord. And he saw that. And I don't believe Isaiah knew how that would manifest and how it would work itself out. But he saw something in Christ that would be ours. And we're that people. And whether you've been a Christian five minutes or 50 years, there's an eternal joy that is to be born in your life that is to last from now into eternity because it's everlasting. We run out of words, I think, with this sort of stuff. We just run out. I can't do the. It's eternity. Does it just go on and on and on and on and on and on? Well, it does, but it's not really that dull. I think it's got a whole... <laughs> okay. Okay, so in preparing this, that's kind of just starting in. Bit of an intro with the fruit and the eternal fruit. What is joy? That's what I've got. I've got joy there. I've got a heading in my notes. What is joy? You see, when I was thinking about it, I thought maybe it's not... Joy isn't perhaps the coolest. I don't know if I use the word cool. I was brought up in the 80s. It's not the coolest word these days. And I think it's possibly a word we feel a tiny bit awkward with. We kind of just lost what the, I believe God would have us know and live in. I think we just, I mean joy. There is so much tension. There is so much fear. There is so many people barely getting by. But we have joy. And the Bible has joy. It's a Bible word. I think we can use that and try and make sense of it. We think we may know it, but I think for all of us, there is a rich, heavenly dimension to joy, which God would want us to know. It's actually over, depending on the translation, it's at least 200 times throughout Scripture. So it's not small. It's not a, a small part of what is for us. And God would say, come on, get to know. There's lots in the, in the Psalms. It's linked to rejoicing, it's linked to enjoying, it's linked to delight. There's all of that. I don't know if you put all them together, you probably get five or six hundred. And I think it, one of the reasons I was just thinking about this, talking, even talking with Heather, it's hard to put into words because there isn't really natural comparison. Because, this is where I'm going, it's something from heaven. Lewis, and you will know this quote, C.S. Lewis, joy is the serious business of heaven. There's something absolutely serious and weighty and perfect and beautiful about joy that, that is in heaven. And, and, and because we live in this time where there's sickness and there's pain and there's crying, it's really hard to imagine those not being with us. Sickness and pain and crying. It's just hard, and I'm not asking you to do tricks with your mind, because we live with that and that's what we have. But that is the reality of heaven. Those things won't be there. So we have something else, and it's a dimension I, I don't believe any of us have experienced in, in the way God wants us to experience it. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm bringing to you. We haven't got it. There's more for us, and we all know aspects of it. You see, there are aspects of God himself that he wants to show you that will feed your joy. Just like the angels in Revelation. You know the ones in Revelation 4? They cry, holy, holy, holy. That's not because they're on repeat. They're not on a loop or a boomerang. They're awestruck by some new and beautiful facet of God. 
that they've seen and they just go, wow, holy. And I think with joy, there's something to catch of him. Having said all of that, I believe it's kind of a default setting for the believer. If you've got a default switch, it's probably here in joy. Just, I've got some more to say, so I'm not stopping there. It's not um, a disposition. It's our disposition. It's how we should be and could be and can be, regardless of personality and regardless of circumstance. Can I say that again? Regardless of personality and regardless of circumstance. We used to joke, I think time's passed, obviously I wouldn't do this, about the sort of maybe gloomy believers who talked about having deep joy. As if that was an excuse to live without any emotional impact of what God's done in your life. Your Mark used to joke maybe as well. I don't know. Not Mark. I'm the joking. The joking. Um, I believe that the fruit of joy is from the Holy Spirit. It will affect and impact and transform our whole selves which will express itself in our bodies. Expect at times to dance. Expect at times to laugh. But don't confuse joy with happiness. Happiness is good. If you can, choose happy. Good. But joy is something which has a, a little, little tiny bit in the corner of it, which is happy, but it has all this. Is that okay? You can, you can get those or not? Yeah. You see, we know in many, if you were to say, what's your verse on joy? What's your go-to verse? I, I think for many, it would be Hebrews 12. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He would go, wow. may have others. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Not for one minute was the experience of crucifixion in and of itself joyful. Can I establish that? There are things which you go through which you will not enjoy. But what he saw, what he longed for, for the joy, what he set before him, for what he had known and experienced in his father's presence. And not just going back. This was not Jesus just going back. This was taking with him the multitudes of thousands of millions of redeemed. What he saw is he saw you. He saw us. He saw the church filled. He saw that. He saw that redeemed community. And that was the joy. And that allowed him to endure. That allowed him to go through. Because it has its source and its reality in heaven. Psalm 1611. You make known for me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. That's how, that's where we make sense of where joy comes from, in God's presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. There will be difficult things we go through, painful situations, and we don't deny those. We don't just put a happy smile on, hear what I'm saying, happy is good. But the source of joy I want to look at this morning, I want to touch on, because if it's just coming to gritting your teeth or even putting a happy face on, there's a fakeness. And God says authentic. So there's an authentic way you go through. Not denying joy, but you, you go through. And then you can, like Nehemiah, 
go, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I can draw on this. I know what I'm going through. I've got friends around me who know what I'm going through. My hope is in him. I have, I have something set before me. But right now, this is not what I want, what I'm enjoying, what is even um, without pain. But for the, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Some right now just need to know, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So I've just touched on the source of joy. I believe it's a heaven thing. It's not something we just, which is why it's sometimes a little hard to work out. But I believe it's the fruit of joy. It's like a natural response to something of the kingdom. So when we see a dimension of the kingdom break in, of God break in, we can get a little, like a little taste of joy. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. If you turn there, I can... Luke chapter 10 and verse 17. Jesus has, just the background to this, he sent out 12 disciples. They did stuff, and then he came back, and then later on he sends out 72. So that's the background. He sends them out with authority to heal, to cast out demons, to just proclaim the kingdom. And in Luke chapter 10 and verse 17, he says, The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to your name, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. I just love that. I've been to it many times and I I don't understand it all and get it all. The disciples had done something amazing. They'd seen something like demons are submitting to your name. There was just an excitement. They were seeing this power, this raw kingdom power, this goodness, this authority. There was healings. And I'm excited too. Those things, they're, they're good. And Jesus, I don't think he was rebuking, but he was just turning them and saying, keep, keep, keep focus in all that you do. It's those things you will do and you will work miracles and you will see great things. But he said, Jesus told them to rejoice their names are written in heaven. And it's like, they, they might not even have known that. This was new. They didn't have... They were just hanging out with Jesus, and he was doing this stuff, and they were doing this stuff through his authority. And then he's saying, rejoice, your names are written in heaven. And the source of joy, our source of joy, that helps me. My source of joy is not necessarily everything I do or everything I achieve, but it's my confident assurance that I'm taking the scripture. My name is written in the book of life to know that you're accepted, to know you belong. To, I've just, there's just a whole well there to just have an assurance. Whether you're, whether you're doing miracles on mission field, whether you're just attending a job or, or minding toddlers, whatever it is, just to have the assurance as our source that Jesus has said, yes, 
as you've come to him, he's accepted you. And he said, come, come, my beautiful child. Come, your sins are forgiven. Come and sit with me. There's a place at the table for you. So he's saying to them, just keep that focus. And I don't think there was, not the Greek, I don't think there was a rebuke. I think it was just an adjustment, which is great, isn't it? It's lovely to do things and then just to get a, you've done something great and then Jesus just adjusts you and says, just, just don't lose that. Just keep going on that. Because he knew that needed to be where they were rooted. And then the, the, the Luke, the writer of this book, he records Jesus full of joy in the Holy Spirit. I've never thought, well, I don't know what that looks like. That would be exciting. That there was, they had to say, it wasn't just Jesus having a good day. This was something. He dimensioned, he brought joy in, he brought the Holy Spirit in, as Luke does, and he put Jesus and he says, full of joy, and there's just an excitement. And Jesus is kind of seeing this, but he's seeing, as he does, he's seeing in heaven, and he's just delighted that, that his Father's bringing down revelation. He's showing that there's authority in his name. And I, I was even thinking this, and I, I probably run out of it, but it's, he's just thrilled that there's something of the kingdom coming in, something of revelation. He's revealing the Father, and he's starting to say, yes, that's coming to others. What Jesus came for was to reveal the Father. And as he's revealed in your life, that brings him joy. That brings him excitement. As, he, as your life displays and reveals the goodness of heaven, I think there's delight in Jesus. Because that's what he came for. That's why he came. And then there's another scripture which I, I just couldn't get away from when I was thinking of this. It was in Romans chapter 14, just a few pages on. It's just one verse which I'll read. It's Romans 14 and 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Food's good, but it's not what it's about. There's things which are great in your life, but actually they're not about the kingdom. The kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And I believe there's a link, or I understand this, and I see this as a link. Righteousness, peace, and joy. And you may have, and I think you can read it backwards. You can go as if, the, if there's maybe in your life or you're aware at a time where the joy is just not there. Is that because the peace has gone? And if the peace is gone, is that because we've lost sight of what the Prince of Peace has done, making us right? So you see, I think you can, you can go back. Don't just work on, oh, my joy's not there. I need to put a happy face on. Because this is coming from our source. It's coming from what he's done. That we've been made right. That we are righteousness. I can stand with absolute confidence. I have the righteousness of Christ. Because of what he did. I did not have it, but he brought me in. I have the righteousness. I am made right. I am right. And because I am right, I have peace. Oh, I think it's okay. I'm not stealing next week. I think these, I thought I was just going, I think these nine fruits, I think they like to share. So they're kind of connected. Is that okay? I don't know who's doing peace next week. Righteousness, peace, love, joy, peace. Um, but the peace I have, the peace I have with God because my sins are forgiven and I can come boldly. The peace I have with myself and my own fretting and my own turmoil. Peace has come. 
And that's the foundation for my joy. It's that. It's not I'm having a good day. It's not I'm having a good week. It's not this, that, this, that. It's not I'm a happy sort of person or I'm a less happy sort of person. Let's stick to this. Hmm. And then, I haven't got many more scriptures, but if we turn to Psalm 51, just linking on this. Psalm 51, verse 10. Psalm 51 written um, after David had, I'll try and put it in the order, lusted after Bathsheba, committed adultery, and then been absolutely convicted of his sin and just come before God. So he's, he's, he's blown it, he's pushed, he's crossed boundaries, and then Nathan the prophet comes and he writes this. And then in Psalm 51, I mean, you can read the whole psalm, it's, it's just a, a process that he goes through, it's lovely. But in Psalm 51 verse 10, he says, Create in me a pure heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. He's realized something has missed. He's saying, I don't want your spirit to go. The revelation David had on the Holy Spirit hundreds of years before. He didn't have Paul to read and understand. He didn't have Romans. He didn't have Galatians. He just had a relationship and he knew the presence of the Spirit. He said, just don't take that. That joy of knowing I'm at rest, I'm at peace with you. Restore that. I need that back. And that is a process we can come back. The process of coming back, that our sins are forgiven, that he's done it. His resurrection is proof that he is who he says he is and we have eternal life. It's like the key to get your joy back. Fix the assurance of being right with God. There's no condemnation. And that being at peace with ourselves, our unsettled hearts, we make space for his joy to come. We don't then say, right, I'm going to put my happy face on. But something will come. As, you, as, the, as God reveals what he's done, and if you see again fresh, wow, thank you. Because of who he is and because of what he's done, we can have peace and joy. And I can't, given there's so much, I, I want to read just some of the, the heart in the Psalms. And if I can convey anything, just dig into some of this. Psalm 30, verse 11 and 12. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. This is something God was doing that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. And then in Psalm 126, when the Lord brought back captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. It was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are filled with joy. Your joy is actually prophetic because in many situations, there's no reasons why you should have what you have on a natural. But your joy is prophetic in this world 
when there is turmoil and tension and fear, your joy speaks of something otherworldly. Can I say otherworldly? Yeah. Something beyond, something higher, something that isn't of a natural origin, something of heaven, something of Jesus. As you have joy, as you display that, you, you prophesy, you bring forward that into the situation, your office, your workplace. You have this, you carry this, and you influence. You influence those around you because of the joy you have. To be honest, sometimes, and I might have said this before, sometimes my, my just, I'm not, I don't have this all the time, but quite a significant part of my time is just being in the office, not being grumpy, not being moody, not saying I've had a terrible day, not saying I can't wait for the weekend. Just saying some of those things, I'm kind of cutting into something where everyone's just waiting for the weekend and everyone doesn't enjoy. Does that, does that make sense? And actually just, just saying there that I'm, I'm clinging not for a weekend, but I'm clinging for a kingdom. I'm clinging for a kingdom. I'm, that's what I'm trying to And I don't get it right all the time. I can say here and look good. I've got the mic and you can listen to me, which is very good of you. But I do carry in me a prophetic call to a kingdom that has not yet come. I do carry that. I, I hold that. And that is, I long for. And without that, there is, a, that, that speaks of hope. It speaks of joy. It speaks of future. It speaks of coming in. And we can do that, whatever situation you're in. I just want to come and just bring in clothes. I've got this next section. Um, Stealers and substitutes. Can I go that? I haven't got a whole series of S's, but I'm going to go for that. We are mindful that it's partnership with the Holy Spirit to see the fruit of joy manifest in our lives. And to that end, there are joy stealers and joy substitutes. Stealers, when we lose sight of who he is and what he's done for us, us, when we live out of unforgiveness and comparisons, when we're super focused on ourselves and our shortcomings or even our great things, either way, they're a trap for someone, or we just cling to the approval of people around us or maybe distant people on social networks. These will take away our joy when we lose sight of who he is and what he's done, and what we say about ourselves because of what he's done. And then there are substitutes where we, where we are sort of go-to, where this is for us, this joy, this richness. You know, reading the Psalms, we love, when, when the Psalms said, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongues were filled with joy. That's, that picture, it's beautiful, but it, it's probably not what every one of us is, is living out of every day. Me, right included. Joy substitute is anything we go to fill our need. Because I think God has put a need for us to be like this. And I, I put into those categories leisure, entertainment, social media, alcohol, music, sport. None of which I, I don't think I have any issue in and of themselves. They're good and they're things for our pleasure. But when they attempt to bring us a joy that God wants to bring, that's when it all gets into trouble. I want to read one more quote from C.S. Lewis. 
It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, when infinite joy is offered to us. Like the arrogant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. Oof. Okay. Lord, just take us on this journey. Holy Spirit, work in us that this fruit of joy would be life and manifest. I just want to finish. Um, the, the, Phil and Sarah shared the, the, these two words that were gifts to us. Faith for salvation and the gift of hunger. These were for us as a church. And I think, I believe, as we find our own joy in our own salvation, because it has to start there, as we find that, as we start to begin to understand, and I say begin, why the angels are just rejoice in heaven when one person gets saved. We start to grapple with that and find that. It will just well up in us with such a faith to see people saved and come into what Jesus has done. So it's just lovely. I just got, I love those. And then the gift of hunger. As we sow to the Spirit, our hunger will grow. And he's going to give us this gift, this hunger for ourselves. As we live abiding and devoted life, we will be less impressed by the things which don't have his source in them. Not that they're not useful, but we can get so impressed by things. Which, and, and we'll snack less on these poor reflections as we hunger and learn for, yearn for Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Amen. Can I get you to stand? You've been good. You don't have to come, but you always do. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I, I, I had three just three areas to, to just bring in, in prayer to us and then bring, if, Phil, if, yeah. I just want to make space. If you've never responded in salvation, if you've never given yourself, or even if you're not sure, there are people here today that would love to pray with you. We'll have a prayer team shortly. This is an opportunity to find a peace that you've never known a forgiveness that you've never experienced. As I was preparing, I felt God say there was someone or maybe more and God just brought the word, you've, you've, you've carried this sadness too long. You've carried it too long. It's like the picture I got of two heavy shopping baskets, not baskets, the plastic. You know, they cut in your hands. And it's as though God's saying, you've walked with those too long. Hand them to me. So that may be you again. There'll be people coming up to pray for. And then just finally, the third group, where you just say, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Everyone can just, you can just put your hand on your heart. Lord, restore it. Let it well up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your presence.
Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. You don't have to come, but you always do. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for joy. Amen. We're just going to uh, close out by uh, singing this song again, really as a, as a declaration. I want to encourage you that um, you may be looking front and center at a situation that um, seems at all times and in every moment to be wanting to pull you from joy. But there is a, there is a reality that sits above and underneath as a foundation to your life, and it is the reality of the cross. It is the reality of of Jesus who saved you no matter where you were how far you felt you were from him there is a reality of Jesus who broke into your life and his perfect salvation his work in your life is a thing of beauty to observe in every situation and through every season of life so as we sing this song together I want to encourage you to fix your eyes again on the beautiful work of Jesus a father who loved you so much that he sent his one and only son, that he made a way where there was no way and brought you back into a relationship with him. So let's sing this song together as we close out this morning.